Hello, listeners. This is Mix Bell Morgan, and this is Fishnets and Philosophy. Welcome back. I've missed you. For my comeback to this podcast, I am going to be doing a deep dive into the Saw franchise and the Saw films. I will be joined by the wonderful Ariel Powers Schaub as we discuss the films in detail. Each episode will be split for two films and we will discuss those films in spoilerific detail. So if you want to listen to this discussion and you haven't watched any of the films, please go and watch the films and then come back and listen. And then let us know your thoughts. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. It has been a long time, I know, but I am finally back in the podcast recording chair. And what I've decided to do is start back with a full deep dive series of the Saw films and to join me for each episode as we go through these films and this franchise is the wonderful Ariel Hellraiser. So if you could just say a few words and just introduce yourself and maybe just say why the Saw franchise itself means so much to you. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, so yes, on Twitter, I am Ari Hellraiser, but in real life, I am Arielle Powershav. And um, I'm the administrative assistant for Ghouls Magazine, and I also contribute there, and I contribute to Moving Pictures Film Club. So I'm a big horror fan. I love writing about horror, watching horror, talking about horror, dreaming about it all, all the time. Um, the Saw franchise in particular is my favorite horror franchise, and I love it very deeply and sort of in a special way that I don't love necessarily other horror franchises. Um, I have found a lot of comfort in it over the last couple of years in particular during the pandemic, especially looking around in the world when things have not been going so well and just wanting to settle into something comfortable and just kind of let my brain go. Mm. Saw's great for that. (laughs) And, you know, we'll get into it as we get into all these individual films, but the franchise as a whole for me gives you a lot without asking a lot of you. Mm. There's quite a bit of plot as you go through all the movies back to back. There's actually quite a story thread on top of, you know, all the gore and kills you could ever want, Mm. wonderful splatter that we get to see. But it doesn't make you work very hard. Even as it Mm. does its little reveals and twists, it always gives you this kind of montage at the end to help you understand what you just watched. So Mm. if you're not feeling great or you want to take a nap, like you can put these movies on and they just, they'll, they'll just say, come along with me, I'll help you. No worries, come on for the ride. So I think there's a lot to love. It's not perfect by any means. Um, And it has its ups and downs, but I think that's Mm. one of the things that makes the story as a whole so beautiful is that you just kind of got to be along for the ride no matter where it takes you. So that's what I'll start with because I know we'll get get into a lot of it, but I could just keep going. Perfect. No, that's a brilliant introduction and start to it. And I kind of, I like what you kind of just said there. And I think it's quite funny about just the general horror community, but like we like, our comfort films are horror films like no you know every other person is like oh you know I'm gonna have a bit of a down day I'm gonna put on like my favorite Disney film or my favorite some other type of film but no no we're horror fans so like our community is very much we're gonna watch our favorite movie where we see people get brutally murdered and it just makes us feel so safe it does I just love love that about the horror community um but I just wanted to just jump in on that but yeah I think I like how you kind of mentioned about there's so much and there's a connective thread in the franchise Mm -hmm. itself. And I've heard a lot of people say for the franchise as a whole that the best way to watch the films is to kind of just set out a chunk of time and just watch them in one because of how kind of connected they are. And I was just wondering before we get into discussing one and two, which this episode is going to be dedicated to, what you kind of think about that? Like, is that how they should be watched or is is it able to kind of watch it with time in between each film because the film tells you what's happening? 
Yeah, no, that's a good question. And when they were originally coming out once every year and they had to remind everybody what they saw last year, they had to put those threads in for us. But I do think they are best watched kind of back to back. And, you know, you don't have to do it all in a weekend, but you do kind of got to commit to if you're going to watch past the first one, number one, you got to watch all of them. Because if you stop after four or you stop after five, like you're missing out on wrapping up of plot threads. But I do think it helps you keep track of like who's doing what and why when you watch them all together, especially because it's a lot of like there there are a couple of characters later in the franchise that look very similar. And so like you can kind of lose track of what like, oh, is this person over here doing what was he doing? Is it this guy? So I think even though the movies will explain to you what you just saw, the the best way to watch them is back to back for sure. Perfect. So anyone listening to this, if you haven't <laughs> actually watched any of the Saw films, that is the advice to go with is to watch them back to back. Maybe even just mm-hmm. do one a night or something like that. That way it's fresh mm-hmm. in your memory, but definitely back to back. That is the advice that we are giving. So as I said at the outset, this episode, we are going to discuss Saw films one and two. And then the next few episodes will jump into the other films and then we're going to do a final fifth episode to kind of tie up our overall discussion the kind of lasting legacy of the Saw franchise itself so that's the overall aim for this series but I want to jump in with episode one Saw and I rewatched it myself the other day in advance of preparation for this and it really was just such a joy to rewatch it um because I do remember like, you know, being a fan of it the first kind of few times I've watched it, but I think rewatching it, it really is so amazing and impressive how Saw as a franchise has kind of been associated as the torture porn era and like, you know, really gory and all that, like, you know, schlocky and that type of horror. But Mm -hmm. the first film is really subdued. It doesn't really lean into that. It has very little of that. It's more really about just kind of creating tension and suspense between two characters and Mm -hmm. I just want to think what your general thoughts are on the film Saw 1 first before we kind of jump into kind of dissecting it and discussing themes that are in it. Yes so the original Saw you're right it does get lumped in with torture porn sort of retroactively um, due to the some of the other films later the other sequels in the franchise mm-hmm. but it's it's two men in a bathroom and it's a cop drama and there is a little gore you know relative to the films mm. that come later there's a there's a little bit of gore particularly you know the the scene when dr gordon does saw off his foot yeah. that gets brutal <laughs> but the whole vibe of the movie like you said is more about tension and suspense and honestly mystery mm. um it's half a procedural you know cop film where we're looking over the shoulder of law enforcement or the um you know disgraced detective tap um and following their footsteps of what they're trying to do to catch these to catch a killer so you know whereas you might put this next to another movie called torture porn you're really going to have a very different feeling um I think it's a fantastic movie. It has one of the greatest endings of all time. Mm-hmm. And even when I know it's coming, I still get so excited when you're looking at Adam and out of the corner of your eye, you start to see this body rise up and you're like, what the hell? Like, I don't know anyone who says they saw that coming. I certainly didn't see it coming. And when Hello's Up starts to play, at the end of the movie, I, like I got chills right now just thinking about that. I always get chills. I just love it so much. I think I'm going to say the word love. Like take a shot every time I say the word love in this episode and you might die. Um, but I just I can't hold it back. Um, yes. So I, I think the original saw, you know, sometimes it kind of feels like James Wan and Lee Wan-El were worried they might not get to make another film because mm. they kind of put in everything that they thought might be scary, even if it doesn't necessarily tie together. Like we've got the jigsaw tapes, we've got Billy the puppet, we've got a pig mask, you know, yeah. we've got a twist ending. It's kind of like they were like, okay, these are all our ideas. And then obviously they've gone on to have really successful careers, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it makes for this 
sort of disturbing experience because you're like, wait, why is there a pig mask? And it's this sort of uncanny, unsettling feeling um, when you're watching it all unfold and, and it's not really explained why all those things are in there at the end. It just, it was an approach to horror that was so unique and we're all benefiting from it still. Oh, 100%. And like, you know, genuinely just to see, you know, as you said, like the two careers that both James Wan and Lee Winnell have had since Saw. So it's like, if that film didn't come to be and didn't come to be as successful as it was, mm-hmm. would we have had the other amazing films that those two people have been involved with? Um, and thankfully, we do have their careers because James mm-hmm. Wan, like, is probably one of, like, I think, probably one of the best horror directors out there at the moment just because like, mm-hmm. he is behind so many hot properties is everything he does fantastic no not necessarily but it's successful which is pretty good for putting exactly. horror in the mainstream and as a horror fan that's great um mm-hmm. but you yeah, know with the saw film like i know from your, the email you sent me with the different kind of themes it really is for the first mm-hmm. film it is just comes down to that simplicity of like just having like even it is the cop drama that kind of is revolving around what's going on between the doctor and adam and there is the procedural element but really it is just the simplicity of kind of just having two characters who like just literally playing off each other and it's really builds a lot of tension and just carry you yules as the doctor is just really good at playing someone who's clearly just an absolute asshole and an absolute <laughs> prick and like yes. you just can't like there's you can't find any redeeming qualities in him even in the bits when he's like supposed to be kind of caring for his family that are in danger you still kind of don't really care about him because he's just such a dick and yep. I just think it's really impressive to watch it to want to be pulled into a story with a character that you're not actually rooting for. And I think oh, absolutely. It's, it's pulled off really well that you still want to see what happens, even though you don't like this character. And yeah, yes. I was just, I was just wondering what you think just about maybe even just the performances of the two actors mm-hmm. off each other. Yeah. Well, Carrie Yules, as you said, I remember hearing that they only had him for like six days or something. Right. And um, now that I know that, when I watch it, sometimes I can kind of feel that because there will be some scenes where he and Adam are meant to be talking to each other, but it Mm. feels like maybe they're talking to someone who's not actually there. And that's because that's true sometimes. I get Um, But his performance as Dr. Gordon, I really believe it because he is a prick, but he's the kind of prick that you might know in real life. He's not. Yes an over the top, you know, mustache twirling villain. He is kind of a dick to his family and he's kind of a jerk at work. And, you know, he's someone who's like, he could probably turn it around and be a better person. And like, that's what I'm Mm. hoping for. And, you know, ultimately that's supposedly why Jigsaw trapped him is to make him appreciate his life and act better, which is BS, but okay. (laughs) Um, So that performance, I really believe. And I really believe that character. Lee Wanell as Adam is like way beyond that for me in terms of I just find Adam so fascinating and mm. I don't think I know Lee Wanell has a small part in the Bye Bye Man a small acting part in the Bye Bye Man but I don't know of other acting he's did like I think he's more of a behind the scenes guy but yeah. I think he did a great job with Adam Adam is angry and adam is sad and lonely and he's someone who he thinks he'd rather be dead but once he's really faced with that he's screaming at the end i want to live and to me that also felt like a person you might know and and dr gordon and adam couldn't be more different but they both are like dicks that you might meet in real life so those scenes with the two of them in the bathroom really work for me because it feels like something that could happen 100 percent, and i think i think that's really what seals it for at least the first film and like you know as the other films go on like you kind of said how so many of the characters are kind of like almost interchangeable like who's who and i think that kind of falls into the 
something that the slasher genre itself is very known for with the whole kind of disposable teens thing as in it's like just kind of Mm -hmm. having these kind of archetypes rather than actual fleshed out people and that's what I love about Saw because it really has genuine like they're genuinely fleshed out characters like they don't just Mm -hmm. feel like you know just random people archetypes they feel like genuine people and you could like as you said see them in real life and I think that really helps add to how the tension builds in the film because it feels like they're genuinely real people who are trapped and you could kind of imagine if mm-hmm. I was in that situation I'd probably be reacting very similarly and mm-hmm. one thing I love about the first film in particular is again like we said it there is that one scene the infamous and anyone who hasn't seen it spoiler but the infamous <laughs> scene where Dr. Gordon saws off his own foot and mm-hmm. I love how so much of the scene, it you don't actually see any of the sawing. It's really Adam's reaction that sells the yeah. terror. And I just think that is so brilliantly done. And it kind of reminds me as well to the first like Texas Chainsaw Massacre in that you don't actually exactly. see so much of the actual gore or horror. It's all implied through people's reactions or shadow play. And I just mm-hmm. think it, was pulled off spectacularly and saw how they kind of lent that same direction. I'm wondering if you feel the same about how they pulled it off. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I got so excited when you said the Texas Chainsaw Massacre because I co- that's exactly what I was going to say. That scene in the original where, um, you know, he puts Pam on the hook. Mm-hmm. Everybody would swear up and down that they saw that hook go in, but you don't. But it's shot and filmed and scored in a way that makes you feel the reaction to it and it's the same thing with the foot sawing like you really barely see that other than maybe like the first slice yeah but when you walk away you're like wait did i what did i see i feel like i saw a foot got sawed off but really you didn't and um that they i mean alone is a testament to the the filmmaking of Mm -hmm. james wan and lee winnell which obviously they've gone on to do much bigger, more expensive movies, and they've yeah. really proven themselves. But even though, you know, Saw kind of gets punched down on mm-hmm. by even by other horror fans, you can look back and see the filmmaking that led to like, you know, friggin' Aquaman and one of the Fast and Furious movies. Exactly, no, 100%. And I think, which is like, you're, like when you're saying it's a testament to the filmmaking and how they made this film, I think as a really good almost like comparison because they kind of came out similarly and I think like as a as a whole I wonder if it's the reason that Saw went that direction but the Hostel films like the first Hostel shows you everything there isn't anything implied it's all about showing you the actual gory details and everything to freak you and gross you out because Eli Roth Mm -hmm. is all about showing you everything he doesn't really like the implied you know implied horror it's very much visual in your face and I love kind of the juxtaposition of comparing Saw with the first Hostel because like Mm -hmm. they're both horrific but in really different ways and I kind of wonder if the first Hostel particularly and then kind of the other ones didn't kind of kick off if the Saw films would have went that kind of extravagant almost torture porny direction because it felt like they were almost competing with the hostile films and i Mm -hmm. wonder if you think that that was an influence or if it just was what was the the times that the films were being made it was just kind of a reaction to society that that's what we were being given it's kind of a perfect storm in my opinion Mm. um and you know i've i've thought about this a lot too because i really like hostile 2 but I don't much care for the first one other than I really do like the last act. Um, and I know that there's some debate over where tor- the phrase torture porn came yeah. from. But my understanding is that Hostel 2 was the first film to be called torture porn. Mm. And something that I think it's lost in the torture porn conversation sometimes is that Saw was made by two Australians. Mm. And torture porn is a very North American, particularly american yeah genre and you know saw didn't come out of that Mm -hmm. they were inspired by the blair witch project which is my favorite movie of all time they wanted to make a low budget horror that had the impact of the blair witch project but as they got farther away from the franchise and darren lynn bowsman and um 
Berg and Hoffman and Cools, I think, were producing. I'm trying to picture the logo in my mind. But it, it got much more, more North American. And right, yes. Hostel was coming out at, and um, also around the same time. Very different things, but we had New French Extremity coming out of France. Mm-hmm. And we also had some really violent films coming out of Japan at this time, like Tokyo Gore Police, I recently watched. And I was like, wow, <laughs> that's a great <laughs> film. Um, so I do think it's a combination of what was going on in the world, mm-hmm. you know, post 9-11 and yeah. other countries, movies responding to other movies and conversation with one another. Also, it being taken away into this more North American mm-hmm. like seat and just sort of having to build on itself as audiences became desensitized to whatever the last thing was. We got to give them more. We got to give them more. And so that's why I think when you look at, you know, where it ends versus where it began, you can really see the journey in between of how it got there. And it truly is a global impact. And, Mm -hmm. you know, usually by now is when people ask me to leave the room. In this point of the conversation, so um, it's just it's just nice to get this out. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent, and I think that's just the great thing about like the just being involved in the horror community is that you know that there yeah. is someone who's going to give you the space to talk about whatever type of film it is that like franchise <laughs> that you're a fan of. You're going to get a chance to just be excited about it and gush about it because the horror community wants you to, and I love that. But um, mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to ask you what you think with the first Saw film, because like as you said, it's it is quite different in a way thematically to the rest of the franchise because it's yeah. James Wan and Lee Whannell. It's their baby. It's their picture. Their project. And then Saw Two has a bit of similarity because Lee Whannell is still mm-hmm. there, but like as the franchise goes on, even he kind of drops away. And yep. I'm wondering kind of what you think like thematically with the first film saw one what like kind of threads are there that carry through the franchise like what kind of do you think it's do you think it sets up anything that are carried through to the end or does it feel like the franchise kind of goes a different direction um i do feel like there are things that carry through i think one of the things the franchise does so well that's so unique that you don't necessarily always see in other horror franchises is the the villain you know jigsaw really stays consistent throughout for better or for worse and for me and i've written about this i think he's full of shit from day one all the way through to the end i still love these movies but i don't think he believes his own bullshit and neither do his followers but the combination of his characteristics and who he is remains the same. And they start to explain why by giving you some backstory. They show you where, you know, kind of where he ends up. And that's something that I think makes whatever else is going on in the rest of the films. Mm -hmm. Jigsaw, John Kramer is always the consistent. So, and I know that we'll get to this in a few episodes, but like, there was a big gap of time between the seventh film and the eighth film. And Mm -hmm. the eighth film has a bit of a different feeling, but it's okay. It still feels like a Saw film because you've still got the consistency of, of what's at the heart of a Saw film. And so I think, you know, whoever was making the films throughout and having Tobin Bell come back and Mm -hmm. play Jigsaw over and over again, they were able to really hold on to that. And I think that that is really special. Um, yes. And the the first movie lays the foundation for that, even though Tobin Bell is barely in it. Yeah, which I think I do. And I love, like, it's kind of interesting because I remember for years when, like, I hadn't watched the Saw films, like, because the first ones kind of came out when I was probably too young to be kind of watching them and I wasn't really as into horror then as I am now. But Mm -hmm. they were in, they were already in, like, the pop culture like you know they were you were aware of saw rather whether you saw it or not Mm -hmm. and but what i love is for years i thought jigsaw was actually you know the puppet because that's Mm -hmm. what you kind of almost associate the first film with because tobin bell john kramer jigsaw isn't actually in it until literally the very last minute but you do see Mm -hmm. billy the puppet so for a long time i used to think that the puppet was actually jigsaw and i love how the main villain 
isn't present in the first film like as in as a physical being but his idea his ideology and his i guess his presence almost like metaphysically is there and it's driving throughout the film and mm-hmm. i think what the first film does as well which is something that every film carries through is that kind of reveal twist of something that yes. you weren't seeing you weren't supposed to be seeing coming and it's like oh so this is actually the case and in the first saw film it's the twist that it's it was the hospital worker who has essentially been poisoned and he's the one that is has kidnapped dr gordon's family and is keeping them hostage and i want to know what you think about how that reveal was done like did you like did you feel that there was clues to make you think that was what was or was it very much a surprise for you with the first film um the you know john kramer being at the 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 puppet master as it were was a complete surprise Mm -hmm. i never would have seen that coming in a million years with zepp the orderly at the hospital i didn't figure it out until much later in the film and i'm not it's hard to remember too because i saw this when it came out which is almost 20 years ago now and so i don't know if i feel like i figured it out earlier or if i really did but i was like oh okay he's the one behind this he's the bad guy this is jigsaw like because we see him like tormenting ali and diana um but no i never in a million years would have guessed anything about john kramer like we see him in the hospital for a quick second and Mm -hmm. zap says you know his name is john he's a very interesting person and we don't think about at least i didn't ever think about the man in the middle of the bathroom at all because i took for granted that he was just dead and Mm -hmm. i was like that's weird and gross but okay sure so you know i to me that was just like expert plot twisting 100 percent, and i think it like it helps kind of set the scene of of the suspense and the terror of those two characters because it's both that Mm -hmm. waking up in this room where you don't know where you are and then you realize you're chained to this wall and then you re- after you realize you've been chained there's a dead body in the center of the room so it really helps to just add to what the fuck is going on of these characters exactly. and that realization and um, well i think actually what you said there like in a, a bit a moment ago about how Jigsaw is always consistent and it carries through to his kind of followers or his like mm-hmm. acolytes almost. And mm-hmm. I think now kind of leaning into Saw 2, the second film is where, again, with a twist ending, we have the reveal of a Jigsaw follower. And yeah. it, I think it's done really well and it's pulled off well. But one of the thoughts I had when I was watching it is... Like his follower is someone that was able to easily kill someone else to survive the game. As in her game in the first film was about having to kill someone to get the key. Mm -hmm. And whereas the start of Saw 2, it was about whether someone could harm themselves. Like, you know, and I Mm -hmm. thought like those two games juxtaposed against themselves. And it makes me think about what, jigsaw's own motivations for choosing who could be potentially his followers or acolytes is it someone that's able to kill someone without remorse or is it someone that is able to harm themselves i thought it was interesting playing those off each other and i'm wondering what you think about that like what you think jigsaw's motivations are to approach these followers or rather i guess in a way why people go to cults why someone would want to follow jigsaw (laughs) yeah yeah Oh boy, I've written and thought a lot about this. Um, And I am going to keep my thoughts on this contained to the first two films for now. Mm -hmm. But ask me this question again as we go go farther. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I believe that Jigsaw, John Kramer's motivations are purely selfish and always Mm -hmm. have been and always are. And I have cataloged all of his victims and 
his what he says his reason is for trapping them but what i believe his actual reason to be trapping them is i need to like write a book or something this is all just disparate on my computer floating around my random thoughts no one should find it um it's like a string board behind me no i i his motivations are purely selfish and and quite sad too i think um you know, in the first two movies, we find out that he has an inoperable brain tumor and he, um, you know, feels like he, he wants other people to appreciate life as much as he does. But mm-hmm. that's not how you make people appreciate life is by like, you know, like that's just wrong. Number one, easily <laughs> easy to say. But also, as you look at his victims throughout the franchise, a lot of them are motivated by um either like revenge or selfish reasons and also his idea of morality is quite messed up Mm -hmm. um his ideas about addiction and mental illness thinking that people need to just get over things and be or be punished for them is quite sick um yeah and so i think the reason he takes amanda on as a follower is because she devotes herself to him you know, I, I don't think it's much more complicated other than here's someone who is completely 100% on board with me, won't question my motives, will listen to my bullshit, even though it's not true. So you get to come be a part of this. Um, and she's clearly looking for something in her life. She needs yeah. a family. She needs someone to 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 be a partner to her, whether or not that's a romantic partner, but she needs like someone to be there for her and with her. And she finds that. And so they have this codependent, twisted reliance on one another that they both, they're lying to themselves and they're lying mm-hmm. to each other to say that they're doing this important work of jigsaws to make people appreciate their lives. But they're really both just sort of playing out his his sick games of know whatever his twisted idea of morality is so yeah i think he's full of shit but i still i still love it <laughs> yeah no i i think that's 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 the byline for this for the deep <laughs> dive series i think he's full of shit but i still love it <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> um, exactly exactly but what you said there is actually something that i kind of picked up on particularly watching saw 2 and it is like relevant in Saw 1, but I think it stands out more in the second film because there are more characters. But you yes. really see his moral morality, his views on morality played out more because the different characters that have been trapped in this house. And so much of it, as you said, is really this views on judging addiction and different mm-hmm. forms, of you said, mental illness and mental health issues. and. It's something like that is generally across the board that horror films kind of have this tendency to do is to use these villains as like a vehicle to make commentary on moral issues in society. And yes, like it's something that I always kind of have like a bit of a, you know, graded teeth issue with because it's just kind of like mm-hmm. how like it's that choice of deciding what it is you're making a commentary on and mm-hmm. I kind of find that using jigsaw to make that commentary on oh you know addicts should just be able to get over it is that then sending a message that that is what it should be or is it just kind of saying that this is this one person's view of it and it's a fine line to walk and I sometimes I don't know if the film kind of pulls it off but I just with the second film it really ups the ante as you said but each film they have to up the ante and the kills or this mm-hmm. you know the set pieces that they go with and just in the theme of addiction that one scene where they chuck Amanda into the pit the of syringes pit. Yeah, yeah that was Oof. yeah and like I'd seen the film actually oddly enough saw 2 was the first saw film i I had actually seen so i saw that before the first which made me appreciate the first even more when i first saw it oh i bet i remembered that particular scene the most from the first time i saw it because it just 
yeah, I don't know how they pulled it off, but it just looked so real. Like it didn't like it mm-hmm. looked like I was just like you could feel that pain. And I think because it's Amanda get that that gets tossed in there, it is interesting how the Saw films almost have to put the acolyte or the follower through a bit of you know pain or torture to pull off mm-hmm. the twist at the end and i'm just wondering yes. like <laughs> do you think that maybe comments on like possibly the sadomachism of people that are following jigsaw that you know they're gonna have to sign up for a little bit of pain <laughs> i absolutely do um you know i and you wonder too i i promise i'll get back to this but first i want to say I think John Kramer is really good at, like, you know, those, um, like, John Edwards crossing over, people who do the cold readings of other people Mm -hmm. who are really good at, like, guessing what you're thinking and getting you to, like, give you enough information that you go along with it. And you're like, oh, you are talking to my dead grandmother. Yes. I think John Kramer is really good at that skill because he's always able to predict what his victims are going to do sometimes to an unrealistic degree but whatever suspend your disbelief and enjoy the movie so to your to what we were talking about with the needle pit i don't know if amanda and john ever planned for her to go into that pit or not Mm. because xavier throws her in there and is like you get in there you know you find the key so it could be that they had planned for that and she's just really good at making him think it's his choice to do that Mm -hmm. or it could be that that was extra suffering that she hadn't planned on doing when she agreed to be you know kind of the the mole in this group of victims um it is it, it is um sort of gosh what's the word i'm looking for I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but there's some sort of theatrical thing there because she did used to uh, do drugs. Um, yes. Presumably heroin with, we see her injecting with a needle. And so um, presumably she was addicted to heroin. And so falling in the needle pit is very uh, like yeah. poetic justice. <laughs> it's a comedy. But I don't know if it was meant for her. Yeah, that's actually, and that's interesting. And then you could kind of go off on that tangent of like, <laughs> what would the what would the story have looked like if that didn't happen you know like that's just right. kind of that's just a different tangent altogether mm-hmm. but um what do you think with because we're tr- transgressing into saw 2 now to kind of discuss this film more mm-hmm. what did you think about introducing more characters as in saw 1 is literally just just two guys in a bathroom saw 2 expands that it expands the world it expands the characters Mm -hmm. do you think that in saw 2 that each of the characters felt believable in who they were or did it kind of feel like some of them were just again kind of almost like archetypes disposable teens in a way yeah i um i feel the characters in the second film don't work as well for me as dr Mm -hmm. gordon and adam certainly because a lot of them are less developed because they spend less time on screen yeah but yeah, a lot of fans I talk to say Saw 2 is their favorite or at least their favorite of the sequels. I like it a lot because it's a Saw movie, but for me, it's one of my least favorite because the group of people in the house are very annoying to watch for me. Yeah. Um, the victims really, really great on me. The conversations between Matthews and Jigsaw are really a wonderful like mm-hmm. that's a great part of the movie but spending time with the characters in the house it's almost cringy now yeah. like how um stereotypical they wrote some of the characters and just like mm-hmm. the language that they use and the the behaviors that they choose um it's kind of hard to watch now and they're certainly unlikable but not even in a way where i'm like i'm rooting for you to die i'm more like oh i'm rooting for you to just be a better person and quit (laughs) acting like such an ass um so i don't enjoy spending time with those characters as much as i enjoy spending time with dr gordon and adam yeah no i kind of be of the same opinion i didn't like i literally only watched saw two just before recording like so it's fresh in my brain (laughs) and um Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, it did 
they weren't as enjoyable to spend time with. Um, I definitely think Saw 2, the best parts of the film are actually not in the house. It's the bits between mm-hmm. um, Jigsaw and the detective and their, their conversation and just kind of getting to explore Jigsaw's mind more. I thought that yes. was really interesting. And it was really like, and it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's like reflective of like the boom of, you know, true crime podcasts and true crime documentaries it's really bizarre that we do have this almost morbid fascination to want to know the mind of the serial killer, to want to know the mind yes. of the villain. And this, this Saw 2 kind of leans into that and delivers that and um, by giving us this discussion with Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. You kind of get to see his what he thinks and everything play out. But I definitely think the biggest, I guess, redeeming quality of saw two for me is the twist ending like because the double twist the double twist yes because (laughs) yes oh yes a double twist yes because you realize one like amanda but then also the son and that bit it was a gut punch like even though Mm -hmm. you weren't really caring for most of the characters in the house and the overall film like it you know it kind of it pulls you along but it's not as gripping as saw one but still right. you kind of had that, you know, you were attached to the detective character because you got to spend more time with him. And mm-hmm. that gut punch when you realize that Jigsaw told you, it was just talk with me and it will, it will happen. Oh, I just, like, yes. <laughs> true gut punch. I was just like, lo- I loved it, but also like hated it because it was just like, God damn it. Yeah. But I'm just wondering what you think about that double twist ending. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that to me is also the the redeeming. Like I'll I'll sit through all the parts I don't like in that yeah. film to get to the glorious ending. Mm-hmm. Um, that Saw Two is the movie that number one set up the formula for the rest of them. Yes. Here's our group of characters that are trapped and and them dying one by one as we go through the traps. Right, we continue mm-hmm. to follow that formula, and. It also made us go, oh, my God, I want more Jigsaw. Like, <laughs> Tobin Bell's a fantastic actor, of course. Yes. But also the character of Jigsaw is so fascinating. And we are we want to know the mind of the killer, like you said. So Saw 2 was really very successful in the way it, you know, Saw 1 obviously kicked everything off and it made so much money. They were like, green light those sequels. Mm-hmm. But Saw 2 was the one that made the bedrock foundation for everything that came later by give, by going, okay, the audience wants more traps and they want more of Jigsaw. And then they do that every time. And I think that makes every movie worth watching because even if you don't like some aspect of it, there's this other aspect that's there for you to enjoy. So um, I really think they perfected that formula that they Mm -hmm. used throughout on the second movie with the double twist of um, Daniel Matthews and Amanda. I didn't see Amanda coming. No, I mean, like that was definitely, I did not. (laughs) like see it coming at all like the first time and even because it's been so long since i watched it i almost forgot that it is is a reveal so watching it again today i was like oh my god yes (laughs) but yeah it is pulled (laughs) off really well and Mm -hmm. i suppose it's kind of like interesting it's one of those but it's like you know when you reflect on any film after a twist you realize it was staring me in the face the entire time and that's what makes it a good twist but it was kind of the fact that you know she's like they ask her, why are you here again? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because like technically if she survived, she shouldn't really be, you know, so it's kind of like, and right. comes up with this story of, oh, I didn't, you know, accept the lessons or whatever. And it shows her, you know, very graphically cutting herself. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I just, but it's kind of staring in your face. You, you don't actually question it. You just accept her story. You don't actually think it, could there be another reason that she's here? Nope. You know, right. it goes out your head and then you watch it at the end. Like, oh my God, it was in my face the entire time. <laughs> But um, yeah, and like it's I funny like... because go ahead. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I was just gonna talk more about the what you said about the formula being cemented. So no, you go ahead. I want to hear it. Okay. <laughs> um, I just think it's a it's a very nice little wink to the audience where when we first meet all the victims in the house, Amanda's lying face down on the floor, mm-hmm. and so in both the first and the second movie, if you can track it 
you reveal who's behind the twist because they're face down on the floor in the middle of the room with the victims. And mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, oh, they told us, they told us right away at the beginning and I didn't get it, which is great. Like you said, that's what makes it a good twist is the fact that you can look back and see all the ways that it works, mm -hmm. but um, that you didn't guess it. And I've never guessed a twist in a Saw movie except for Spiral, which I have a lot of feelings about we'll eventually get to it. But um, no, like the the first eight films, I never guessed the twist because they're set up so perfectly like that. Yeah, and I think, I definitely think that's, uh, for me, it's always been the appeal of like the Saw films. Like, yes, mm -hmm. as the films goes on and, you know, the traps get more elaborate and, you know, the ways that they come up to kill these disposable characters becomes more ingenious Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to watch, but it's more just seeing how they pull off those reveals. And I think that's kind of the selling point of the Saw films in a way. It's yes, it really it's that's what you're coming there for is to see what are they going to trick us with now? Like, absolutely. I think there probably are some people who view the Saw films just as the traps just as mm -hmm. the gore, just as the killing. In the same way, there are people who probably view all like the you know Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday Thirteenth films, Halloween films as just this person killing the characters. But there is more mm -hmm. going on in all of those films. But with Saw, mm -hmm. I think it has that really strong connective tissue throughout. Which, as you said, yes. Saw Two kind of sets that foundation for of how they'll do the twist. You know, mm -hmm. the way it will work out and. I did enjoy as well with Saw 2 the whole numbers on the back of there because that was almost an extra yes. twist like there's just twist yep. after twist but it was that thing of like <laughs> again and similar to the way when it's kind of doing the montage at the end where Jigsaw kind of says your son's been here the entire time it's that mm -hmm. thing of like if they had have actually kind of just paid attention to the tapes they yep. would have probably realized that the numbers are on the back of their heads. And I think it's, it's really, I really enjoy that. It's like almost the extra sadistic mind of Jigsaw in that he mm -hmm. kind of tells them exactly what they need, but knows that they'll be too neurotic and too scared to be able to actually piece it together in time. And I find that mm -hmm. really, really interesting and compelling. And I think it just really shows how maniacal the character of Jigsaw is. And I'm wondering yes. if you kind of would be in agreement there. For sure. And I think that speaks also to his ability to predict um, mm -hmm. certain individuals' behavior and also his ability to know who makes a good victim for his traps. He's not, yeah. you know, we never... <laughs> In the first two movies, we haven't seen, other than Amanda, you know, anybody really get away. And the people he picks to be in his traps are people who freak out and, and don't handle it well, like I think most people would. But mm -hmm. there's probably someone out there who would, like, be calm and subtle and listen and figure it out and be out and be like, woo, calling it a day. But, you know, Jigsaw doesn't pick that person. And that is by design, I yes. think. So he says that he's great at predicting human behavior and i'm like well maybe some humans i think mm -hmm. what you're good at is reading people and knowing who will die in your traps and that's why you pick them 100 percent. i definitely mm -hmm. would be in agreement there and i think it's it just makes it interesting to see even if the characters like in saw 2 they aren't 100 fleshed out because you don't really get to spend much time with them so you don't have like like you said that much of a desire to root for them to survive or anything like that mm -hmm. you don't there isn't really like oh I want this person to survive because I really like them you don't really have that with any of those characters not even the son right. like you know it's just kind of <laughs> yeah it's just that twist is like oh he's alive but not yay he's alive it's just kind of a little bit of oh <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah and I was wondering as well like I think with Saw 2 what I found interesting as well with the film is I really like that one scene as well, the set piece, the killing of your man that gets put in like the furnace as well. That one yes. was also 
very kind of graphic and yes. I think it's interesting some of the saw traps are very much like that as in the person doesn't yep. have any time to question like they're just gone straight away but then other ones are really elaborate and the person is really tortured and you see that torture and I'm wondering if yeah. you think because as you say Jigsaw is really good at reading people and knowing who will be the ones that could potentially survive or die in a trap I'm wondering if you think certain traps are almost designed for certain people or if it's just kind of circumstance who ends up in a trap I absolutely think that certain traps are designed with certain people in mind um sometimes it doesn't work out that way but Mm -hmm. particularly for I believe his name is Obi or maybe Abi who Mm -hmm. gets in the furnace trap um you know he gets in there because there's a tape for him that basically says hey this is your thing get in there and he had been recruited to help kidnap everybody so Mm -hmm. we're talking about a quick capable person who was able to get all that done and also not be recognized by anybody there because they're all like wait you kidnapped me Mm -hmm. so i think Jigsaw designed that trap for him knowing this is a quick, capable person. I need to have a really devastating trap. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he will get out of it. Um, But I don't know how well he knew Amanda when he put her in the reverse bear trap and how much that was designed truly Mm -hmm. with her in mind. Um, So I think it could be a mix. There are some later in the series, some very personal traps that I'm like, oh, that you 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 put your heart and soul into that one and then you know every now and then there will be a needle pit where you're like who is that for right yeah and i think maybe it's like almost like the art of subterfuge like jigsaw trying to like you know make you think everything's going one direction and then he misdirects and throws it the other way like always keeps you Mm -hmm. on your toes and the films in general keep you on your toes but Mm -hmm. i think like with the two films saw one and saw two like do you think that it's actually possible to almost like compare them or does it feel like they're two completely different films that just happen to have the same villain in them like i personally think that it doesn't feel like they're part of the same universe because saw one is just so its own thing it's just so tied up with a neat little bow type way and it's just yeah yeah it's so kind of like self like it's just so contained. It's a really contained story. As in, I kind of think that in a way it would have been perfect. Like I really enjoy the rest of the films. And I do think the fact that the franchise has gone so long is testament to the fact of how well they're made Mm -hmm. overall as a franchise. Some of them might be not as good as others, but Mm -hmm. I kind of think if it had just been Saw, it still would be the amazing film it is because it's just that good. And I'm just wondering what you think about comparing Saw 1 and 2. Do they feel connected or completely different? (laughs) That's such a good question. I agree with you that Saw could just stand on its own Mm -hmm. over the test of time. Absolutely could. I don't know if I can objectively answer this question because (laughs) I have been so deep into this franchise for so long that I think of it all as one big thing. Mm -hmm. And we learn information about things that happened before the first film and we learn information Mm -hmm. that happens later. And so to me, I just sort of have this timeline in my head of events Mm -hmm. of how everything connects together. And so I'm like, well, of course they're connected because my cork string board over here (laughs) has all these strings on it. But I absolutely see what you mean about the fact that they're so tonally different Mm -hmm. that you really could watch both of them. And if you really love Saw and then you watch Saw 2, you could be like, what is this? I don't care for this. Yeah, I could see that. It is really different. And I kind of think in a way, a good way of maybe thinking about it, like in my head, because of how tonally different they are, is almost like Saw isn't saw one 
it's actually almost like a prequel and Saw 2 mm-hmm. is technically the first film of the franchise because that's where it set that formula and that's where the rest of the film is going to go from in that formula so I kind of think that's an interesting way of like in my head of formulating it but as you said as the franchise goes on you get more kind of story details thrown in that connects to the earlier films and now like I'll I'll think more on it as we go through the series and I watch the other films and see those connections happen again but now just like thinking about it I'm wondering were those connections thrown in because of how tonally different Saw is to the rest of the franchise I think that they probably were um (laughs) I I love the idea of thinking of the first one as a prequel that I can't believe I've never thought of that before that is really beautiful and accurate um as much as I love all of the details that we learn later and I have so much fun with it, you can tell it's hardcore retconned. This mm-hmm. is not, you know, James Wan and Lee Wanell did not sit down and go, okay, here's the <laughs> story of all these people. Like every movie feels like, aha, but what we didn't tell you was this. <laughs> and I love it. It's so much fun. But you know that it's, you know, kind of being done backwards. So I do mm-hmm. absolutely think they were like, shoot, we got to tie some of this together. Uh, let's put this person here. They were there the whole time. And now it all makes sense. And I think that's kind of fun. <laughs> no, I agree. I think it's a, like you said, it's a retcon thing. And mm-hmm. in some ways, retconning and that, as you said, writing things backwards really works well and you can have fun with it and it's just about oh what are they going to tell us next like they kind of do with this franchise and then in other ways retcons and rewriting things and kind of trying to connect to past films doesn't really sell and doesn't really work so it is a fine line to balance it and I think the Saw franchise as a whole has fun with it and does it pretty good Mm -hmm. does it pretty well so I think we're coming up actually to the hour now so I think we've done a good dissection of those kind of two films i had set out the time for two hours in case it was needed but i think we kind of talked about the main like, main themes like of these two films and connecting them like probably could just spend another hour just going into minute detail about saw itself the first film but nobody wants to hear that <laughs> so i think we're coming up on the hour so i think to try and like tie it up now with saw one and saw two like, would you have, like, I know, as you said, we said at the outset of the podcast that really the best way to watch the Saw films is to watch them all in unison as one block of chunk of films. But out of the two, if you were going to tell someone to, like, this is, you know, if you only had to watch one, which would you watch? Mm-hmm. Which of those two would you recommend to general horror fans? Yeah. So I have to go with the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of those people who, for me, it's hard to ever beat the original, just in yeah. general. Um, but also because I feel like it's got a wider, more cross-genre appeal. Mm-hmm. You know, if I know someone is really looking for violence in particular, maybe Saw 2 is a better, a yeah. better recommend. But the first one, I think, also it's such an important piece of horror history there Mm -hmm. is a before saw and there is a after saw and so if as a horror fan you just want to understand that context even if you end up not enjoying it i think it's a it's a good one to watch just so you understand where some things come from after that 100 percent. i think i think you're spot on there it is really like if you're someone who's like wants to follow the like the thread of the history of horror and how things change and what impacts the next generation of films saw really is like that turning point of like kind of it really flipped the genre on its head of what it can do next so i think Mm -hmm. definitely think out of the two saw is the superior of the films just because Mm of what it does for the genre as a whole but from the franchise even though the Saw 2 characters, not really the fan of most of them, they're kind of just there, they're bit par characters. I do think it's a pretty solid film. Like it, you know, it gives you 
what you're expecting and it expands yes. the Saw universe more. And as you said, it sets mm-hmm. the foundation. So without Saw 2, we might not have the rest of the franchise. So absolutely, I think in that sense, it's also a success. And if you're a fan of the yes. franchise, you have to kind of like go, thank you, Saw 2, for doing what you did, <laughs> even though if I'm not a fan exactly. of you. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Yeah. But yeah, I think for this episode now, we'll call it at, we'll call it now because I think we've done a good dissection of the two films and we've laid our own foundation for the rest of this deep dive we'll go as we explore the themes of the franchise in more detail as they get laid out more as you get to explore Jigsaw's mind more because I think with the two films it's really you only get the only kind of really thematic element is just kind of the first glimpse into what jigsaw's idea of morality is like you don't really see much of his other motivations that's all you're given in these first two films and as the films progress you get more of why he's doing like almost like a deeper reason underneath his kind of conception of morality the extra real motivation of why he's doing everything and i think it's going to be interesting to explore those themes as we discuss the other films so i want to say thank you for coming on to the podcast to discuss saw one and two with me and to any listeners where can people find you on social media and where can people find your writing if there's any writing that you want them to see or read (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser. And you can find me on Letterboxd at the same name. Um, And you can find my writing on Ghouls Magazine and Moving Pictures Film Club. I have two deep dive spoilerific Saw related articles on Ghouls Magazine. Um, Very spoilerific. If you haven't seen all the films, wait and read them after you listen to all these episodes. But um, yeah, you can find everything on my Twitter pretty much. Perfect. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me.